In today's show, we recap Sunday's action in the NBA, the news, the performances, what we do with certain players, drops or holds or ads, and all of that stuff that we love for fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball, and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's PrizePix.com, and the promo code is LOCKEDON. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're talking about the action from... Um, Sunday, there were only four games on, so it's my bit of a light podcast. Hopefully, we'll see how we go. Um, a reminder, Thursday, yeah, Thursday, February the 9th, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, live trade deadline show. Live trade deadline show. We're going to be going through everything as it happens, instant analysis, have some guests on as well. You will find the link to this on the YouTube homepage. Um, go and find go that. If you can get a thumbs up straight away, that's great. It always helps to get out to more people, but I'd love to see you there Thursday Thursday, February the 9th, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. We'll go for a couple of hours talking about the NBA trade deadline. Now let's talk about the news that we've actually got. And there was one thing which I will talk about more. I'll talk about it actually when we get to the Indiana Pacers um, game recap from today. So we'll talk about the Miles Turner extension when we head into that later on. Some injury news updates for tomorrow. Trey Young has appeared on the injury report as questionable with an ankle problem. The Hawks didn't have any injuries. Now he's popped up as as questionable. If he misses, it helps Murray, obviously, but also helps solidify a little bit of Bogdan Bogdanovich. It helps DeAndre Hunter. And then it's just a bunch of like Aaron Holiday and AJ Griffin, which probably doesn't have much value as even a streamer in 12-team formats. In Portland, both these guys, Josh Hart and Yusuf Nurkic, missed the last game. They're officially questionable for the next one. If they are out, we got Eubanks and Little who will start. Eubanks is the priority over Little, in my opinion, even though he didn't do that much last game. He still would be the guy that I'd go to grab. If you're looking to grab someone, even though there is a chance Little would still start over Hart, that's what words mean, if Little would still start over Hart, even if Josh returns, I don't think Little is a very good 12-team league player. Eubanks can be if he's given a starting role. So he would be the guy that I would prioritize there. In terms of some good injury news, he's back. He's off the injury report. He's ready to go. So we'll be eagerly watching to see what happens to Gafford and to Avdia in particular with Porzingis back. So he is back and ready to go for Washington. Luca is questionable. He's officially day-to-day. He's questionable to play. Um, Rudy Gobert is questionable again. Like they just... Now they're listing him as calf, though, not groin. So I don't really know what that's about, unless that's a typo from the people um, putting it in there. But you know, that, that person must have typed that incorrectly. No, he's out for a, a groin because everyone else is calf on that team, uh, McLaughlin and Towns. No, he's questionable Rudy Gobert with a groin issue. I was just reading the wrong tweet here. It's frustrating that he keeps getting listed questionable before every game, much like I think we're going to get with Embiid and his foot. It doesn't appear like Gobert is going to... Um, 
Doesn't appear like Gobert is going to sit anytime soon, but re-aggravation is a concern, obviously. And then in Toronto, OG Ananobi is out. So we are really going with Precious Achua here, whose minutes and production have been way up with one of the starters out. And that's exactly what we're going to get here in this situation with, uh, with OG sitting out. Let's get straight into the games. We did a waiver wire show earlier today talking about most added, most dropped players. So let's get into these games. The first game we look at was an early one. It was Miami and Charlotte. Um, good victory for Charlotte, 122-117. The final score here. On the Miami side, a lot of people did add, did add Max Struess after he had a strong game last time out, but this is why you're only looking at that as a uh, absolute flyer on a Sunday. 10 points for Struess in 17 minutes with nothing else. He's not a 12-team league guy. And I'm really still not decided where Victor Oladipo sits. 32 minutes is good. He'd played under 25 for the previous two games, but only nine points on 33%. Five assists and two steals is really useful. I think we should start to view him as a steal specialist with some assists sprinkled in, understanding he's going to hurt your field goal percentage. He probably should be rostered, but it's towards the back end. The bigger name players, Jimmy Butler was fine, 28 and seven with three steals. Hero was better because he'd been struggling with his shot a little bit. Um, 24 and five, five triples. So that's better. While Adebayo had 17, four and six and three steals. All that is sort of as it is. But the big question I guess we have on this team is Kyle Lowry. Double cheeked up. On a Thursday afternoon. They're going really easy on his minutes. 30 minutes, 11 points, 5 assists, 2 threes, 27%. He's in a massive shooting slump as well. But despite all of this stuff with the struggles, he's still 138th over the last week per game. And there's you know two to three minute upside that can come on top of this. He can shoot better as well. It's really hard to consider dropping a starting point guard who has been this season top 70. I probably wouldn't do it. Understand there's frustrations there. But if he keeps hovering around 28 minutes, 29 minutes, then we start to have that conversation. But I think having a little bit of patience probably works there. Vincent had eight points in 18 minutes, while Caleb Martin, eight and six in 27. He's only like a 16-team league guy, Caleb. He's not, I don't think, any sort of 12-team league option. For the Hornets, well, it was hard for 40 games, two Rogier, but it's rolling pretty well at the moment. 31, six and seven. Five triples, 58% shooting. We knew that a lot of what he was doing with the you know steals getting cut in half and the abominable shooting, we thought there was going to be a positive improvement, whether it would get back to what he did in the previous two years. You know, I, had, I had doubts about that. I sort of wrote that off. But he stepped back up really well. And that's great if you did hold through all that rough time or did buy low. Paul Washington Jr., 27-6-5. Strong game from him. But we know we know what the, uh, the mantra is now for uh, Paul Washington. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. 27, 6, and 5 there. Well, Lamello had 19, 7, and 7. I don't really know what to make of this from Gordon Haywood. The fact that he only played 26 minutes is frustrating. He was perfect. 7 of 7 for 20 points with not much else. Now, since he's returned, he is top 75 in per game value. But he hasn't gone over 26 minutes in the four games since he's been back. And I find it hard to look at him as an absolute must-roster player, but... Again, if we're just looking who's on your waiver wire, if Haywood's there, I'd find it hard to find someone better with higher you know, top 80, top 90 upside than what Haywood brings. He's not a must guy for sure, but he is someone that I would consider. I think we can comfortably um, drop Jalen McDaniels. Jalen, the Hornets guy. Get that garbage out of here! Two points on 17%, no defensive stats, seven rebounds. With Haywood there, there's just enough playing time. And then Ubre is eventually going to come back and further impact him. It just doesn't seem to make sense to me. And then we go to the center position. Oh, hi, Mark. Um, 
20 minutes for Williams, seven points, two steals and a block. That's really good. I love the 20 minutes. We still, I think, are going to be subject to some weird Nick Richards random games. And you know my thoughts on, on Williams. I think he's a really good stash for the deadline. I don't think that after the deadline, if Plumlee's not traded, that Clifford is going to say, all right, we're making a choice now. And now Mark Williams is our starting center. That might happen in April. I fully expect that to happen in April, but not through the rest of February and March. That just generally is the pattern the way NBA teams run is that when they hit to the 28th of March, the 25th of March, then they'll go, all right, all right, we're done. Let's the pep, the the idea of tanking gets blown up a lot, and people think that it happens from January or from the deadline. And generally, that isn't the case. And especially with a stubborn veteran heavy coach like Steve Clifford, I really don't. If if, like, if Plumlee's not traded, I really think Williams is going to stick at 19 minutes a night until maybe we hit April. But he is worth having for now. As for the cockroach, 28 minutes for Mason Plumley. Back to, this is the old cockroach, 10 and 8 with nothing else. He's on an absolutely ridiculous run. We still keep holding him. There is the chance that things do go south at some point. But for now, we just keep holding it and rolling with Mason Plumley, which is an unbelievable sentence to be saying. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Price picks is daily fantasy, but it's not the daily fantasy that you've seen in the past with salary caps and going up against thousands of people. It's just you versus player projections. So you might see Mason Plumley's rebound number is set at six and a half. And you go, I think he will do more than that, the cockroach today. So you choose more. Or you'll see Terry Rogier set at 19 and a half points. And you go, you know what? I think I'll take more on that as well. And you get between two to six of those individual player projections, put them into a lineup, and you can win up to 25 times your entry feedback. And it takes under 60 seconds. It's super fast and super safe. And you can do it in over 30 US states and the majority of Canada as well. But it's not just the NBA. You don't have to tie yourself to that. You can go to the NFL for the Super Bowl coming up. You can do the NHL, college basketball for both men's and women's, cricket, golf, um, NASCAR, boxing, MMA, of course, tennis, disc golf as well. Download the PricePix app or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PricePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PricePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Second game, the Indiana Pacers and the Memphis Grizzlies. Pacers were up in this one early. And then the Grizzlies just went um, they just went crazy to try and get this game back. They were desperate after losing a few in a row. And they get the win, 112-100, the final score. The way they did that, Jar Morant played the entire second half, and Jaron Jackson played all but two minutes in the second half. There's a lot to break down here for the Pacers. Benedict Matherin is playing much better. And while I've been pretty skeptical of him all season, rightfully so, he's the 189th ranked player for the year, um, he's 61st over the last week. He had 27 points in 31 minutes. It does help that Halliburton is out, of course, but we're seeing more efficiency. We're seeing a little bit more in terms of minutes solidarity. We're seeing a little bit more in terms of rebounding numbers. And I think you know, he's probably not available in a lot of leagues because people have held through 16 weeks of nothingness for him, but he's putting up strong numbers now. So he's worth having a look at if he is available. But if you miss out, I don't think it's the end of the world. Good game from Neesmith as well. 16-5 and five for him. I do not trust it in the slice. And a reminder for the Pacers, they don't play until Thursday. So you've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with no games on. And that brings us to Timothy John McConnell, who stunk. He's been excellent, but he stunk. Zero points in 23 minutes, seven assists, no steals, no blocks, missed all five of his shots. And we talked a lot about some of those early McConnell performances where he was shooting 75% from three or 60% from two, going, what are we doing here? Like This stuff's not going to stick, but he's going to get by through bulk volume. And now the big question comes, what do you do? What do you do with McConnell? Is there a chance that McConnell starts with Halliburton? Oh, yes, but I think it's like 5 to 10% chance. 
I don't think he's going to remain starting. I think he moves to the bench. Right, so with with that, you, there's two, a couple of things you've got to make decisions on. That's one of them, right? Do you think Halliburton will start next to McConnell? I do not. So you need to think about that from your own perspective. The next question is, do you think Halliburton returns Thursday or Friday? And I think yes, he does. Meaning you might not get a single start out of McConnell for this week. So with the unique structure of their schedule, having no games for three days, and then the potential the next time we see McConnell is on a day where Halliburton returns and McConnell's playing 22 minutes off the bench. In a lot of cases, I believe that McConnell is going to be a drop. It's really hard to do that after he's been carrying you with top 40 numbers for a couple of weeks. But all of the signs to me point towards see you later. Now, of course, dropping someone means you've got to add someone. So making the most out of that streaming spot for those three days is really useful. And you can do it by getting a Monday, Tuesday, back-to-back, then a Wednesday, Thursday, back-to-back. Get that spot, get four games in for one um, or for two ads versus holding for McConnell, who might be a a 20-minute-a-night player moving forward. You might miss out on a start from TJ for sure. But if there are other options around, I think you have to... A week ago, I said there's no way you're dropping McConnell, right? But now we're at that stage where the schedule's aligning, the return is coming, where it's got to be in the discussion. He's definitely far from untouchable. But you might have a different thought. You might look at it and go, well, I think they will start him with Halliburton. I don't think they will. And you'll say, well, Halliburton might be out longer. Again, I think he's coming back. So it makes it really tough to have TJ as a hold, I think. Let's talk about the center position because Miles Turner did sign a renegotiation and contract extension. And my immediate reaction to that was, well, they're not going to trade Miles Turner. Technically, they still can. With some contract extensions, you can't um, you can't be traded for six months. That That's true. With this one, that is not the case. So he still can be traded. And the bump in salary that he gets this season makes him a little bit more attractive in terms of getting bigger pieces back in a deal. But my understanding is, is that the way that this was set up and the contract, it wasn't he wasn't renegotiated and extended on the contract to be traded. It was because he and the Pacers wanted him to be there. That is how I understand. Now, this does not preclude him being traded in the next 10 days. But it doesn't, it's not ruled out completely. Everything that I'm seeing and hearing is that they signed him to keep him, but you can't rule it out. So and again, we, we just got a massive tease in this game as well. Like, what do you do with Isaiah Jackson? Like, we knew that the value of him is going to be tied to Turner's absence. And it doesn't look like Turner's going to go. But then Jackson comes out and has 13 and 4 with three blocks in 21 minutes. And you go, oh, but what if? Right, what if? It brings you back in. And then you're going to be subjecting yourself to three days of zeros. And literally on Thursday, he might get a zero. They might put Jalen Smith as the backup. So is it actually, it's only, we're only a week and a half away from the deadline. Is it worth holding to see? Yesterday, when the news came out, I would have said, no, there's no, what's the point of you holding? I don't think Jackson's getting traded into a big minute role, nothing like that. But now that, you know, I understand and I made a mistake with that yesterday, thinking he couldn't be traded, but he can. I still think it's a very, very, it's a much lower percentage than what it was even three days ago that Turner is traded. But yeah, that interesting performance from Jackson Definitely gets us thinking again. Now, how did he get those minutes? Well, Turner was in foul trouble. 15 and four with a block with five fouls for Miles Turner in 26 minutes, 27 minutes. That's why Jackson played 21. And literally on Thursday, Jalen Smith might get all the backup minutes and Jackson plays zero. But that, that's a distinct possibility. In fact, it feels probably pretty likely. And again, making a stash quite difficult. I dropped Isaiah Jackson. Do I regret it? A little bit, but not really that much because I still think that the chances of this happening is extraordinarily low. 
And let's talk about the other change they made. Chris Duarte, who had two big games in a row, went out and did nothing. 26 minutes, nine points with two blocks, while Andrew Nempard played more minutes off the bench. So now I throw my hands up in the air and go, like, what? What do we do now? Nempard played 28 minutes. He actually had a 27% usage. He had 12, 3, and 3. Does Duarte keep starting? Does Nempard get that spot back? Regardless, I think they're both going to be fringe 12-team lead players when Halliburton is back. But if I did add Duarte, and if I do have Nempard, the three zeros in a row here, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I don't think it's worth holding them to figure out which one's going to get the minutes on any night and who's going to start and how it's going to work with Halliburton. Is the upside of those guys actually worth sitting through that? I don't actually think so. Buddy Heald struggled three points for him. He'd been obviously much better than that, but that's just a, uh, a stinking, stinking performance. On to the Grizzlies. Jar, 42 minutes. I said he played the entirety of that second half. 27, 10, and 15, two steals and a block. A great game. Jaron Jackson, after the uh, fraudulent stats allegations, came out and then were de- debunked pretty quickly. People wanted to know my opinion. I did tweet about it. I, it's... I'm happy to go with Kirk Goldsbury and Kevin O'Connor's breakdown of all the blocks to say, look, this is nothing, guys. Like, it's fine. Um, and that's sort of how I believe it as well. Uh, again, not I haven't gone through and read all the blocks, but I look at it and go, wow, he's had this huge like discrepancy. Home versus road. It happens a lot. Home scorekeepers are weird. Is it some giant conspiracy to steal to get money? Like I don't think that's the case. And I feel pretty confident in saying that like if there was ever going to be a game where Jaron's um, defensive stats were going to be under the microscope, it was today at home and he had a steal in five blocks. Like he's pretty good. 38 minutes for Jackson, 28 and eight with three threes, 63% shooting, just an immense game. With Des Bain out, we did get Tyus Jones filling in for him, not starting, but getting 30 minutes. 10 points, four assists, four steals. He's got really solid value as an injury stash. We know that. It doesn't always happen when Bain is out, but it has happened a lot of the time. And of course, when Jar is out, he goes off. Um, this bloke, seriously, like, I, I'm, I can't with this guy at all. The world. I, I, I can't. Five points on 18% for Dylan Brooks. One rebound. He had three assists. He's just so bad. And today with Bane out, I went, oh, let's stream him in. That might work. No, it didn't. It didn't work at all. He's outside the top 200 for this season in category leagues. He's fine in points leagues, but he's bad. He annoys me. He's the worst player that I've watched in the NBA in years. Defensively, really good, but I can't stand what he does offensively. It just, you know, you want to talk me having bias. I think I do a pretty good job of keeping it intact, except with this bloke. I can't watch him play. I hate it. Brandon Clark played 18 minutes only. 13-2-2, one steal and two blocks, but... That's a great line. And the reason he played 18 minutes was foul trouble. It wasn't a benching. So when you go look at that, you go, oh, Xavier T. Ullman played 25 minutes. And for those of you who ask me, Josh, why do you say his name like that? It's not really how it's said. I've never heard anyone say it like that. I know. I know that's not how it's said. His name, as you can read on the screen, is Xavier Tillman, right? But they he calls himself, or they call him Xavier. So I look at that and go, your name is not Xavier. It's Xavier. The name is Xavier. So I go, if you're going to just use the first letter and then put the rest of the name behind it, why don't you do it for the last name as well? That's what my joke was. Xavier T. Illman. Yeah, I know what his name is. That's what the joke was. But there you go. Probably not a good joke if you have to explain it, yeah? Yeah, so you look at this 25 minutes for Tillman and go 9 and 11. Oh, that's interesting. No, it's not that interesting. It's because Clark got into foul trouble. I wouldn't bother with him in 12-team leagues. Aldama, no benefit for him with Adams out. I think we're seeing that pretty regularly. While Zaire Williams started with Conchar and Bain out, seven points. He's really not doing anything this season. I thought we might get some steps up, but the knee injury to start the season set him back, and he hasn't really been able to get going um, since then. 
Today's episode is brought to you by TurboTax. Go to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Meet with an expert who'll do them for you. TurboTax experts can relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you can do not taxes. Show your eyes things that are not taxes. Unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste not taxes. Sing not taxes a lullaby. Hope not taxes sleeps through the night. Grab a saddle and ride not taxes into the sunset. With TurboTax, an expert will do your taxes from start to finish, ensuring your taxes are done right, guaranteed, so you can relax. Feels good to be done with your taxes, doesn't it? Come to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. Intuit TurboTax. Full service products only video meeting while expert does your taxes required. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. So let's do the next one. Just a, a blowout, really. Oh, obviously a blowout. The uh, the Cavs handle the Clippers without really any too much concern at all. 122-99, the final score for the Clippers. Paul George was out. Kawhi was out. Marcus Morris was out. Reggie Jackson was out. And Bob Covington was out. So they started a lineup of Powell, Mann, Coffey, Batum, and Zubats. And then Powell didn't play in the second half. Um, Batum didn't play in the second half. And they started Jason Preston, which I don't get the chance to do it. So I'm going to do it now. Preston. I like that guy. Preston! Him and BJ Boston started the second half. Now, we can talk about those guys. Boston played 34 minutes for 24 points. Preston had 12, 3, and 8. But it doesn't just doesn't matter. Like, maybe you stream them in if a situation like this arises again, but it probably won't. Norman Powell stunk. He's actually struggling at the moment. 177th over the last week. 11.16 minutes. I like him when players are out. I don't like him as much when players are in. When the team's healthy, I don't like it that much. And we're sort of seeing that now. He had that little hot streak, and he's like still 149th. And if the shots don't go in, there's nothing else to fall back on. Zubats, only 22 minutes. Man only 20 minutes. We can easily drop Terrence Mann. Thought there'd be a pretty good opportunity for him in the back-to-back here with those guys out, but obviously not. And Amir Coffey had 18 and 4 in 38 minutes. You just throw this stuff out. Like, you can look at Moses Brown and go 13 and 16 for the C-parter with nothing else. But again, it's just a stupid game. It's a weird game where not much happened. Um, that's really takeawayable. We, we, we got Brown and Musa Diabete playing together for big chunks of the game. Like it's just, there's nothing realistic to look at, at as we move forward. And we can say the same for the Cavs, where the discman, C.D. Arsman, played 22 minutes and had 29 points on 85% shooting. And he was 7 of 7 from deep. That's great. But he doesn't even play every night. He had two steals and a block. It did help that Kevin Love was out. But he's, he's not reliable at all. Isaac Okoro played just 18 minutes, 8 points, 1-3, one, 1 block. At the end of the games today. Like once it's all done, I'll go through and see whether the, the three-day stream of Isaac Okoro was worth it. I think it's useful to know. Garland played just 23 mi- minutes. Don Mitchell returned, played 20 minutes. Alan Mobley, 26-27. Levert was okay, but still not a 12-team league play with these guys healthy. I don't really think there's anything to take away from this. Like, I don't want to waste your time or insult your intelligence by telling you, man, it's great. Go and add um, Osman or this is yeah, fantastic for Levert because this game was garbage. and It was garbage basically from the start of the game. And I don't think we really need to talk about it too much more, to be fair. The last game of the night was another blowout, actually. The Bucks beat the Pelicans 135-110. The Pelicans were without Ingram as he's recovering from his toe injury. Then CJ was out with a thumb injury. And of course, Zion was out as well. So, hey, Dyson Daniels also. So, not, not great stuff. Alvarado played 29 minutes, 18-3-6 with two steals. His value diminishes when CJ and Ingram play, so... We don't need to read into that, but what I do want to read into, and I don't, but I do want to read into it, is Kyra Lewis Jr. Because he was someone I was really high on in the draft and has been completely wrong so far, but he flashed why I liked him. Immense speed, great driving ability. He had 15, 6, and 3. He should clearly get all of Devontae Graham's minutes. Shooting is still a work in progress, although he was 64% today. He's a very, very interesting guy in a dynasty league where you have to pay nothing to get him. I think he's only 21 still. He was really young when he came in. 
He missed all of his second season, basically, with the torn ACL. He's not going to get a huge amount of time this season, but this was interesting. Big game from Trey Murphy, 16-2-2, with four triples for Ken. He's still really just a fringe guy, and I wouldn't look at him as a must-roster. Same with someone like Herb Jones, who had 11-5 and five with a steal and a block. Steel streamer, not must-roster. And same with Najee Marshall, who's just like a 16-team league guy now. Eight points in 34 minutes in 27% shooting. He doesn't do enough across other categories, but he needs multiple players out and to be starting and to get in good usage to be to be a 12-team league player, and he's not going to get that. So it is hard to draw too many conclusions out of this. We only had 22 Valanciunas minutes, 16 and 3. Nance had a double-double in 10 and 12, and he's just hovering around the back end still. And for certain builds, he's great. For certain other ones, he makes no sense, and that's going to depend on your squad whether he makes, uh, makes sense in your team. But remember, there was no Ingram and no CJ in this game who are going to be back next game as well. For the Bucks. Only played 30 minutes, the big fella. And unfortunately, he didn't have any defensive stats, but he had 50 points for Giannis. Three threes, 13 rebounds, four assists, shot 77 from the field. We know there's been a lot of struggles with him. Forget the free throw struggles. They're just what they are, right? That is what it is. 58% from the line. But his field goals have been well down. That was up here. We still like to get some defensive stats back, but really encouraging game. No Bobby Porter. So we talked about it on the waiver wire show. Hey, What's well, Pat Connaughton's going off? And I like I posited the fact that I don't think it's because Portis is out that Connaughton's going off because he's had a large role for all of this time that Middleton's been out and he's done nothing. This feels like a fluke. Well, he had six points and six rebounds in 26 minutes, which shows exactly that it was a fluke. So while it's fine to stream him with that role, that role does not guarantee 12-team value. We've seen it time and time again for Pat Connaughton, and it's not just magically because Portis was out that Connaughton was going to become this great option. I don't think that's the case. Few extra minutes from Middleton, 18 of them here. 9, 3, and 4 with a triple one. They're really bringing him along slowly, but at least we're at 18 minutes now. Hopefully, we get to 25 next week, even more. Uh, it's frustrating, but yeah, that's okay. 32 minutes for Brook Lopez, 15 and 8 with a steal and two blocks. And Ingles had nine points with three threes. Um, what do you do with Middleton? I think you do have to hold him. That top 40 upside is it. The difference between him and, say, John Isaac is Middleton's been out three weeks, Isaac's been out three years, and Middleton's got a 33 minute a night role waiting, Isaac doesn't. Right, so that's when I look when I can deal with Middleton playing double the minutes that Isaac's playing now, double the um, well not, not probably not quite double, but maybe double the actual overall ceiling of his minutes this season, and the fact that he's only missed three weeks, not three years, meaning he can ramp up to it quicker. So while it might seem disingenuous for me to say, hey, don't, it's really hard to consider holding Isaac, which I talked about on the waiver wire show earlier today, given the slow ramp up and where you've got to be in the standings. But I can say, yeah, look, that's fine. Milton's back. The minutes are coming up because I just know that he's got the 33-minute ceiling. He's going to start. He hasn't been out as long, and the minutes will come back slower. And so I feel confident in all that stuff with Chris Middleton, whereas I'm not confident in it with John Isaac. Grayson Allen did his part, two threes, four assists, two steals. That's what he brings. It's why he's always an interesting schedule stream when you're trying to find that player on the Bucks who can give you something, but he's never going to blow us away for big production. Not much else going on, I don't think, in that game. So we might as well just go into the lines of the night. The Monstrous does go to Ja Morant. Demetrius Morant gets the monstru uh, Monstrous line. The waiver Wire does go to the Discman, CD Arsman. The Young Gun is Benedict Mather and Old Humpty Dumpty. And the dud of the night, you know who it is. It's your mate Dylan Brooks. The worst. Top 10 players in category leagues today. It was Memphis, number one, with Ja Morant, number two with the fraudulent Jaron Jackson. Number three is Giannis. Four is Osman. Five is Rogier. Six, Jimmy Butler. Seven, PJ Washington Jr. Eight was LaMelo Ball. Nine was Darius Garland. And 10 was Gordon Hayward. Top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Number one was Osman. 
Don't think we need to look into that. Same with Alvarado. They're streamers when players are out. That's about it. Moses Brown, completely disregard that. Aaron Neesmith, that's like a 16-team league guy. Kyra Lewis, dynasty keeper in the back of your head. Isaiah Jackson, no idea what to make of it. He doesn't play for three days. Does he even play on Thursday? Is the likelihood of Turner getting traded gone up or down? I think it's gone down, but I don't actually know. It's not for the faint of heart to stash Isaiah Jackson, but the value, the production, is clearly there if he gets that job. But A, we don't know that he gets it. And B, even if Turner is traded, we don't know that he gets it. That's the frustration with it. Mark Williams at number seven. I like that more as a stash. Jason Preston and BJ Boston and Amir Coffey. That's just really a, a consequence of that ridiculous game. The top 10 players in points leagues today. Number one was Giannis, followed by Morant, Jaron Jackson, Terry Rozier, Jim Butler, PJ Washington, Osman, Matherin, Adebayo, and Brooke Lopez. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Forgot to do it before. Isaac Okoro, over the last four days of the week, total value, 87th. It worked out. Volume is important. Volume is important. I'll see you guys later. Bye.